Traveling the Vortex We've joined the Doctor on a quest to find the most important thing in the universe as he arrives at 500, episode 569. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. Or should we say story 569? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, a little peek behind the curtain here, just since that may not make any sense to some people, we've actually, I'm going to get ahead of ourselves here, we've actually kind of rearranged our schedule. Uh, something came up, we were not able to do what we had originally planned, which was the uh, uh, Cubicle 7 RPG Daleks and Doctors, or Doctors and Daleks. And so what we're going to do is we're going to move our RPG fun and games uh, out until next month. And so that's still coming, but we've got to get some things in line and in row. So what we've done is we've moved up Once Upon a Time Lord, which released yesterday, I believe, right? Um, which is the mm-hmm. Titan uh, graphic novel, which we'll be doing a little later in this podcast. I just wanted to make sure up front people understood <laughs> why we were slightly off track this week. So that being said, speaking of... We jumped a time track. That's right. What Did you guys do anything fun this week? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Godzilla King of the Monsters. Mm. I never got to finish it the first time I tried. How was it? I liked it. It was fun. It was way too full of stuff. But I had an enjoyable time watching it, so I didn't mind the fact. I think it was, it's definitely one of those movies where, you know, it's its a monster flick, so you just kind of turn your brain off and just roll with it. And that's what I did, and I had fun with it. <laughs> I agree. I think it's a, a not necessarily, you know, it's not the best Godzilla movie ever, but it was a fun monster movie. And it, Yeah, it's definitely not as good as Godzilla or Kong Skull Island, but or Godzilla vs Kong. Well, I haven't gotten there yet. That's why I was watching Godzilla <laughs> King of the Monsters, so I can go watch Godzilla versus Kong. I just say, that's I think, what I really care about watching. I think I agree. I think that's probably my third favorite. No, that's my fourth favorite of those. Not 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 to show my hand there, Keith, on that on the next one. But uh, yeah, I think that's of probably, the four movies, of the four movies, the... that's my least favorite. But I I'm like you. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was, it's worthy of the series. That's all I did. We watched a haunting in Venice. Oh, okay. New, uh, uh, Hercule Perrault film, which, um, is, is, is pretty good. Um, it's probably the weakest of the Kenneth Branagh Perrault movies, but, uh, that's not necessarily a knock against it because it's still pretty good um it's vastly different from the other ones it's kind of a, a nifty twist on the locked room uh mystery but uh you know, little, little elements of supernatural it's uh, um, fantastically uh shot and atmospheric so would have would have been a perfect movie for halloween yeah <laughs> That's Partially a, because it's set on Halloween, but they're really churning those films out, aren't they? I didn't, I didn't realize they'd already done three of them. Or they Every were on the third, years. rather. Murder on the Orient, Death on the Nile. Yep. 
Anything else? Not on my end. <laughs> well, I guess that's, I guess that's not true. We uh, we caught back up with Loki. Oh, okay. So we're current on that one. Ooh. Until tomorrow. And well, yeah. <laughs> then it'll be Tuesday before we can finish it. Mm-hmm. Wait, do we know? Or is it, it's just a six episode uh, season again? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. I recently finished a book that I think, Glenn, you would like. It's called How to Sell a Haunted House. Hmm. It's a, it has very much the feel of a B-horror movie that is having a lot of fun and has some great humor, but also has some good scares to it. Um, yeah, I don't want to give too much away other than, you know, it's this woman who's moved away from her family and her parents die in a car wreck. And so she goes back home to deal with it and discovers there are some supernatural forces at play, uh, not only in her parents' death, but within the house and her childhood. Hmm. It's, it was really enjoyable and several parts were fairly pretty funny too. So it's got a nice balance. I'd highly recommend it. Who's the author? Grady Hendrix. Grady Hendrix. Yeah, I'll look into that. Interestingly enough, um, uh, apparently the How to Sell a Haunted House is list your house as haunted. <laughs> which sounds ridiculous. Book, but <laughs> um, but I, I, I literally just heard this on the radio. Um, according to the real estate market, haunted, supposedly haunted houses are 40% more likely to sell huh. than non-haunted houses. That wasn't to which that wasn't true ten years ago. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure it is I, now because be everybody's into that. But I'm, that wasn't true ten years yeah. ago. Uh, to, to which my thinking is, why? Oh, what is wrong with you all? That's that's just it. That everybody's into that whole ghost chasers, and they that's the thing everybody loves now. They they. Nobody's afraid. Nobody's afraid anymore of that kind of thing. I'm not. I'd buy a haunted house, especially if it was cheap. But now they're not cheap, yeah. so. <laughs> now they won't be cheap. <laughs> now everybody's trying to get their hands on them. Maybe I could, maybe I could list mine as haunted. Maybe I care if you're me. looking to sell, that's apparently the, uh, you know, make up a story. and so I, when, oh, the, when the house settles, you hear the, you know, floorboards and stuff creak. So I suppose... Claim that's a ghost. Yep. There you go. <laughs> you, you, you do, do what they do on Facebook. You get yourself a plastic skeleton and you bury it under your porch. <laughs> and then you get a tape recorder, a recorder with some ah, and chains and whatnot. And you just put it in the wall somewhere. Well, that sounds convincing. Yeah. Man, next time I do any demolition on the house and I have a wall open, I am totally putting a skeleton in it. <laughs> just for the future homeowners who might tear the wall out <laughs> <laughs> but now if you really want to give them a shock you can uh, you know mock up a uh, a futuristic newspaper with a far off date on it and put it in there with him <laughs> <laughs> that'll make their noodle Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, 
and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. This is Tim Trelaw. This is David J. Howe. I'm Peter Purvis. I am Sadie Miller. This is Lauren Cornelius. Larry, it's Fraser. For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world and beyond, the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast. I'm Larry Van Mersbergen, your host, and I've been collecting for 42 years. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex on the Direction Point Podcast Network. Well, should we move on to news? Yeah. Thanks to Disney, we now know the name of the Christmas special. <laughs> Thanks to the church on Ruby Road, and we'll drop on Disney on December 25th, Christmas Day. Which I think it's also now been confirmed that the BBC gets it on Christmas Day as well. So it's not just Disney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Show of hands, who's excited for Christmas specials to be on Christmas? Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I think the problem is I kind of liked having the New Year's special that Chibnall was doing. Now, I, I like the Christmas special, don't get me wrong. But with Chibnall, I, I'm i not as busy on <laughs> that weekend. It's a lot easier. So it's to a lot right easier to, to watch that, right. Special. The, the yeah. Christmas special, sometimes I didn't get to that until like a day or two later because we just had so much going on on Christmas or we were traveling or, you know, it's just, just no time. So if I think if I lived somewhere, well, I, I guess now that we do get it. Now that your kids are a little Day and too. date. And yeah, it, it'll, it, it'll stream at a certain time. Maybe there's be around a, a TV that has DVD. Well, that's just it now. Still, you got to be somewhere that has Disney plus if you, you know, don't have it yourself. So. Yeah. Yes. I, I am excited that they're going back to Christmas. Cause I do kind of like that tradition. Um, but it does make it a little more challenging to see it. I'm just glad to have who back. And specials in general. Yeah, exactly. Seems like it's been a long stretch since we've had anything, since Power of the Doctor. Been more than a year. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like we are going to have a mini-sode before we even get to the specials. Yay. The 60th specials. Children in Need is going to have a 14th Doctor mini-sode and then a special episode of Doctor Who Unleashed will drop on BBC iPlayer shortly after the minisode airs on the 17th of November. Yay! Guess what? We can't see it. <laughs> well, hopefully they will be posting it to YouTube like they yeah. have in the past. Yeah. Well, the, the Unleashed, children in need Unleashed won't, called. yeah. Oh, Unleashed yeah, Unleashed won't. won't yeah, but, but the minisode should, yeah. Yeah. Which, that answers I think the question of what uh, RTD teased, which was uh, wasn't it the first, the seventeenth, the twenty third? Mm-hmm. So that's two of the three 
dates that he was teasing in that article. Uh, and then the 23rd is the Daleks. Yeah. Uh, uh, colorization. Colorization. So. And I wonder if maybe that's what he was talking about for that one, for the 23rd. For the 23rd. I yeah. bet it is. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wondered that when, uh, when they mentioned that, I, I, I had thought, oh, I wonder if that's the third day or the, well, I, we, we all, they officially acknowledged the children need thing. I think we all suspected that anyway, uh, that mm-hmm. the 17th was that one, but, uh, yeah, the 23rd, I, I'm, I think you're right. I think it's probably the, uh, it's probably the dollars that brings up a, a point I wanted to, to say, Keith, I, I got to thinking about what you said last week about comparing that to Cushing's Dalek film. And mm-hmm. I think I now I think I now agree with you because I almost wonder if they didn't use that as a template to maybe to cut the fat. Cut the fat because <laughs> the film's eighty two minutes and the episode's gonna be seventy five, so they're pretty close to each other within seven minutes. And so they I mean, may you have cut used... out some of that early establishing stuff, yeah, and it would yeah. probably be pretty close to seventy-five. Yeah. So I, I think that I think you might be right. They may have they may be borrowing that uh, that cut to see what they could get out. Because I mean, obviously, if it's already done and it works for you <laughs> for pretty much the same story, why not? Well, and because it is pretty much the same story, it's just even if they don't use it as a template, it'd be interesting to compare the two to see how one person cuts a story down compared to another person. That's true. How they match up otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Glenn has changed his mind. <laughs> it happens from <laughs> time to time. <laughs> uh, well, what else we have? <laughs> well, uh... <laughs> It seems, uh, Glenn mentioned the other week that it sounded like Shurigatwa's season of Doctor Who when it drops on Disney Plus was going to be labeled season one. And it seems that's going to be the case everywhere. RTD has said to SFX Magazine that it's going to be a new start for the show and will be referred to as season one. Um he hinted at a larger secret regarding the future of the franchise. Oh God. (laughs) And he says, because people are beginning to ask, why are there no, why is there no Disney push behind this? That's coming in redacted. Oh, Oh, we're not supposed to say redacted. Are we next year? Season one. Yes. We are calling it season one. Sean, Sean, something interesting. (laughs) You know what I told you pre-show not to be confused with series one, right? <laughs> which is what it was. Oh, that's true. Returned. That's a good point. Yeah, because it was seasons up until 26. And then when they came back with the restart in 2005, it was series. It was series and it's been series since then. And now we're going back to season one. So there now will be two different season ones of Doctor Who. Of course, this article also refers to, says, the 2005 revival saw Christopher Eccleston's first season be referred to as season one rather than continuing the classic era run. So this article may <laughs> they, also they, they mixed it up. be, yeah, switching them. Yeah. I think that's BBC probably, redacted. I think that's just a typo there. 
I think they just yeah. It's it. this article specifically is Screen Rant, which is a U.S. based article uh, website. So it wouldn't surprise me that they would think right. they're interchangeable when they're not. Right. Grain of salt. <laughs> uh, I think it. I think it's true. I mean, he's he said it to. I mean, if you go to the. Uh, SF, SFX magazine. He does say it. He's being again. He's playing coy, but I, yeah, I'm, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I, ugh, I can't wait to talk about what I talked about with Sean when it potentially happens. Speaking of a grain of salt, <laughs> get, you, get your kosher salt out. No, get your rock salt for your driveway out. The mirror's claiming that the uh, Eighth get, Doctor is going to come back in a spinoff series. And get your salt lick out for your horse. <laughs> you know those salt pellets for your water softeners? That's the size of salt you're going to need for right. this. Exactly. Uh, the salt mines in Kansas that we claimed they uh, they found all the missing episodes in. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna need something like about that size. <laughs> oh mine. I it you know it's it's not implausible because Russell has said that he's going to create a a Doctor Who universe, and it, if you think about it, Paul McGann's been running around a lot this last half year, half of this year. Now, granted 60th anniversary, so he's, he's playing service, but he's been running around a lot to a lot of cons in his costume. He's, he's coming in the, now it's the, the night of the doctor garb, not his, uh, you know, original costume or even the, the dark eyes costume, but he's, he's coming in the costume. So that may be, tied into playing into the fact that you know there's there's maybe there's a little bit of truth to this and to be i would think that if there is truth he wouldn't get to have the costume well to be well i think it was one he (laughs) i think it's the one that he wore in uh power of the doctor and he just he had it i mean he probably had it from night of the doctor they probably gave it to him thinking they'd never use it again that's probably why he probably showed up and I don't know I'm wearing this and they had to t- change that dialogue. I don't and, do robes. And, it had to be ad-libbed. <laughs> I don't so do we've got robes. your costume right here for you, Paul. No. No, I'm not wearing he, that. He literally I'm said, not. I don't do robes. I don't do robes. <laughs> I and think it's more than plausible. It's not the I, first I, I, time. It's not the first time either that he's been at cons in, in uh costume he did wear his dark eyes costume to a few uh uh comic cons not comic cons conventions when they when he premiered that so see and that's what makes me think that because there is a history of it i don't feel like it's as likely and to me if you're saying okay we're gonna have spinoffs of doctor who then while yeah disney has done kind of different stuff as far as what a spinoff technically is I still kind of envision what RTD is going to do is doctor adjacent things not you know other incarnations of the doctor running around because yeah. I will I if I were BBC or even RTD I would start to worry that people would get confused so here let me let me let me pose this then in <laughs> in uh, um, 
I'll counter you with that. The Big Finish audios are clearly resetting the Doctor to a different, to an earlier era in what they're doing. And so I'm wondering if that's, I wonder if that's a way to clear the way for later Doctor stories that they do produce for television. I think they are struggling to come up with more stories at the later end of his timeline as it's budding up against the war time more. And so they're going back to where it's a little easier to tell stories and have more freedom. Yeah. Sean, go ahead. I think it's more than plausible. If, if you remember, we actually discussed this very idea on the podcast several years back. And oh, at the back time, when we had met at the doctor. I mean, at, at the time, we all admitted, you know, it was wishful thinking. But we said, why not? Why not run a whole season of Doctor Who with another doctor that you could film? Uh, not concurrently, but, you know, one after the other, so that you, you have your, 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 your A team, as it were, records and then gets a break. And while they're on break, the B team comes in and does another series. You still have all the things going. And then when the B team ends, the A team comes back in with the next season and starts recording again. And you do this. I, 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 think, it's, I think it's an idea with some merit. I think it's an idea that fits the Disney model of whatever influence Disney can exert into this, because it's what they're doing with Star Wars. We're getting Star Wars, quote-unquote, spinoffs that are, you know, bouncing around all over the timeline, and so far nobody's really confused. We're getting Marvel spinoffs that, uh, you know, are, are kind of fit in wherever. Um, we, it, it's just, you know, Disney Plus wants content, and so they're more than happy to say yes. Now, I also think that Russell is, of course, going to give us if, you know, the, 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 the obvious selections, we're going to get a unit series. We're going to get maybe Paternoster Gang. We're going to get the bum, 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 bum. I, I bet we'd get a Ronnie and Clyde show based off of that. Um, Tales of the Tardis. Special. Yeah, Tales of the Tardis. Yeah. Um, safe bet. And, and so, you know, the, the, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence. Don't get me wrong. It's circumstantial completely. And yeah, I'll freely admit it's a lot of wishful thinking on my part. But there's some smoke there. When you when you pile all this stuff up together, it could mean something. Well, so. and I certainly think because, as you said, we talked about it years ago. Well, that's because when Night of the Doctor came out, fandom went crazy, and they and uh, fandom all over was suggesting that they were posturing that idea of a. Why not do a Eighth Doctor uh, spinoff show and give him some time on television? So, and that the thing is that hasn't faded. There's that is still if you go out into even you know uh, websites or podcasts or or whatever, there's still rumblings of hey, we'd like to see this happen. So I think Russell could Russell T could look at this and go, okay, you know there is still a lot of. Um, uh, you know, want generated right now for, for this kind of thing. So why not give it a shot? Why not, you know, make it happen since we're going to, I mean, it, it, what it does also is when you spin off 
peripheral stuff with presumably a younger generation that aren't as familiar with some things, at least you've got another show out there with the doctor that's brand new stuff. And -hmm. you can say, okay, this is eighth incarnation and we give you this. And then as you start drawing in more people that are more familiar, units a given because I think unit is new or recent enough, at least uh, with Jenna Redgrave's um, uh, Kate Stewart it's new enough that I, or recent enough that that's still in the minds of, of the younger people that the next generation that's watching Dr. Who. But I think that this gives it more of a, a, a solid grounding before you start going off and spinning into some of the things that are a little more peripheral, because I, I agree with you that I think it's pro, the, the Ronnie uh, Clyde uh, show is probably ripe for the pickings, but you have to remember, they're going to have to, remind a lot of people and inform a lot of new people about Sarah Jane that's been off the air now for what, 15 years. Mm-hmm. So we're, you're going to have to reintroduce people before you do that. And so I think that that is also plausible, but I think what I think getting a, a solid original show out there with a classic doctor or semi-classic doctor, I think will get, gets off the ground a lot e- quicker than, you know, some of those more peripheral projects, which which they will eventually do. Yeah. It also serves the purpose of, you know, okay, here's more of the thing you want. We're giving the people what they wanted, but for those new viewers who maybe are just now coming to it, it serves as kind of a backdoor gateway to the 800 episodes that are available on BBC iPlayer. Right. And and if you think about it, that's, that has been their first focus was to get that backlog of stories on there and so and they're really pushing that so i definitely think they'll be closely watching what people are re-watching on the iplayer because sarah jane adventures is on there torchwood is on there all of doctor who is almost all of doctor who is on there (laughs) so they're going to be watching closely what people are like kind of what's getting the most views to kind of mine that material for what's popular right right and don't get Quick, me wrong. Everybody I would... go watch Invisible Enemy. We need more canine. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I would absolutely love a series of Paul McGann as the doctor on TV. I just am not holding up my hope very high that it's going to happen. <laughs> and as Glenn's been pointed out, you know, it's the mirror. But they've been weirdly accurate. I know we haven't heard news of the Celestial Toymaker animation yet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yet. Although, if that, was it, when that happens, then I'll go, oh, well, maybe. Now, <laughs> now, but was it not the mirror or was it somebody else? Uh, about six months ago, there was a gal that wrote an article, and I thought it was the mirror, but maybe it was something else. Wrote an article that said, A, there was another, anima- another animation coming. She called it a cartoon, which everybody cringed at, but she said there was another animation coming. And nobody else was saying that. And then she also said that they're going to colorize an episode or colorize a story. And that has come to fruition as well now. So she was, she, she, she had the goods. She probably couched it a little weirdly, but she had the goods and and both of those came true. And I may be misremembering that that was from the mirror, but if it was, there's another example of the mirror getting something correct. I think they, the mirror has some insiders. Oh, canine and companies on here too. Uh-huh. See, everyone go watch <laughs> T9 and Company. Sorry, I, well, it, I, I, just, the, I had to load it up to see what all was on here. 
is the other canine series the the post no. Sarah Jane Adventures canine no, series on that there? one does not uh. appear to be on there yet. Now that ran on CBBC, but I think it was produced by another company that wasn't directly yeah. involved with uh bbc so there may be some rights issues there might be they may be having to finalize some contracts to get that on there but and it's not canon it's you know it is canon it is canon i thought it wasn't canon well we that's what we were led to believe but remember i watched the first episode and it, it it's in a different it's set here's what it is it's set in a different universe but it is canon and it is our canine and the way that they cleverly do it at the very beginning, you'll just have to watch it. I don't want to spoil it for you, but we should get that on the schedule. We need to, yeah, absolutely, we do because I was I hesitated to watch that show because I just felt like it wasn't going to be good. It wasn't be because it wasn't in this universe, and it but it boy that first episode really really grabbed me. So yeah, we should get that on. And then BBC will see the canine is a popular character, and you know. <laughs> deserving of another spinoff <laughs> what would keith do that oh become the, my favorite show the, the squee <laughs> heard around the world <laughs> or even better a canine shows up in this eighth doctor <laughs> <laughs> you had me at hello you are invited on an adventure across all of time and space in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts, Eric Gulbranson, Asad Cheshke, and Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and non-fiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire Hooniverse. On Shuffle, the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex. We are going on a journey, a very long journey, through the world of the Target novelizations and publication order. Every week, we are looking at a new book, talking about Terrace Dix, Malcolm Hulk, and all our Doctor Who novelization friends. Whatever you do, keep turning the pages. This is Jason Miller of the Doctor Who Literature Podcast, a member of the Direction Point Podcast Network, and you are listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Podcast. Well, let's talk a little bit about convention. Chicago TARDIS is coming up in Chicago, Illinois on November 24th to the 26th. That's going to be the weekend that the uh, first special airs. Um, they do have a lot of guests. They have Lisa Barrowman, Michael Troughton, Colin Baker, Caroline Ford, Peter Davison, and Sylvester McCoy. However, a little bit of news, recent news. In fact, they announced uh, two days ago that unfortunately, Fraser uh, Hines uh, has to cancel uh, due to a job rescheduling. So if you've um, purchased autographs or photographs ahead of time, the, the refunds will be issued um, and you'll be getting e- emails if you happen to be going to those to find out um, how to get your um, refunds. So that's uh, unfortunate, but if you know Fraser well enough, it's, you'll know he'll be at another con very soon because the man is one of those uh it's one of those guys that just really loves to do the conventions and he does a lot of them. So there's, there's a lot of opportunities to see Fraser. 
He'll probably a, be back next year. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. A job rescheduling, you say? Yeah, they're probably doing the Jamie adventures. <laughs> the adventures of James McCrimmon. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our review of Once Upon a Time Lord. An epic story that sees companion Martha Jones captured by the insatiable pyromyths. And her only hope for survival is to keep them distracted with the sensational untold tales of the 10th Doctor facing off against his greatest foes, classic and new. Bum, bum, Witness... Bum. Oh, <laughs> I had more, sorry. Witness the incredible adventures of the 10th Doctor like, you, like never before. We'll be on the edge of your TARDIS as Martha recounts three unbelievable tales of the Doctor facing off against his deadliest foes. Are you done? I'm, t- I'm done. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Because that extra paragraph did not add much. <laughs> Thanks, Titan. <laughs> oh, John, go ahead. Go first. Um, I enjoyed this. I, I, I thought it was. I thought it was fun. It opens with a very cool um, shared story across all the Doctor's lives, warning the companions: if you are ever captured by this race. Um, you know, they live off the energy of storytelling and this is what you should do. And then Martha does it. And, uh, it's a, a little bit of foreshadowing, uh, for her, for walking the earth year. Mm-hmm. It's a much better story of Martha than story of Martha. <laughs> <laughs> Still bitter over that book, uh, but um, yeah, no, I just I, I I dug it. I thought it was very cool. I was hoping maybe for a little bit more of a tie-in uh, with these creatures and the the land of fiction, mm-hmm. um, which it's natural bedfellows in in my mind. But uh, we didn't go there. But uh, I, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's really interesting how he's able; they're able to weave the three stories together to make it seem like a one big seamless story. I, I was really impressed by that of how it each part, you know, he's you know going fishing for this beast so he can get the ankh and move on and you know eventually get to the land of the dead, which was such a cool sequence of all of those you know monsters he has defeated in the past. Um, and each section kind of has its own tone and each section has its own art style, which I thought was a very, a very nice touch to it too. Now it took me, a, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the, the, the artist for this was the same all the way through, right? That was not a different artist for each of these stories. Now, Dan Slott wrote the entire thing, but I think I've, so I think I saw only yeah, the, one name. There's two artists. There's two artists. Okay, so maybe there was a yeah. switch off, and that's why they. Because I, I agree. I thought the art style kind of changed between some. Some was a little more of those fine, clean, crisp lines, and some of those were more of those kind of. Um, I don't want to say not so clean lines, but it's kind of more of a. It's just a different, edgier art artwork, and I, I noticed that bouncing back between the two, and it it wasn't off putting by any means. And I agree. I thought it, it kind of gave, it, actually, the art style f- 
fit the mood for each of the stories that they did too. So, uh, and they, it also each of the stories when they cut away back to Martha telling the story, that still had a different art style from the story they were currently telling, mm. which I thought was a very nice touch. Yeah. yeah, the flashbacks, as it were, were uh, were completely different from the current uh, ongoing thread. What were you going to say, Sean? I'm struggling to remember. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to echo what Sean had said about, well, uh, this being better than than Martha's wandering (laughs) and telling stories. Story of Martha uh, wandering and telling stories about the doctor. But when this actually a long time ago, and I remember they announced this like a year ago, a year out or something. And when they first couched the the description of it i sort of felt that it was going to be set during martha's um i i thought that too yeah, yeah and so i i going into this i was a bit surprised by that um i think the other thing that that i thought was kind of cool and, and was a bit misled was when we start this story out and there's the three alien children uh sitting there asking her to do the puppet show and there's this kind of like um, it's not really a, a, a amphitheater, but it's a, just a little theater thing kind of set up there in that fairground. And I, it honestly, I thought maybe this was going to be the Lords of Ragnarok from the greatest show in the mm-hmm. galaxy. Mm-hmm. And they were just, you know, showing themselves in a different image and it didn't, didn't go that way. But initially I thought, Oh, this is, and I wondered if maybe that was, purposefully implied so that you just because there's there's a lot of nostalgia throughout this entire story and so i wonder if that was one of those little nods to classic doctor who in this well and it's interesting i I remembered that uh, what threw me at first but it's a very cool attention to detail is that all of the all of the stories all of the villains all of the the things that we encounter and, and get these tales about uh first of all they're all new who villains Mm. and they're all relatively minor new who villains i mean we we get the sycorax and the uh, all of them not not all of them but the majority of them and it took me a minute and then i realized well of course this is you know it's the 10th doctor and and martha so we haven't encountered the silence or the, uh, the weeping angels or the, well, maybe not yet, uh, you know, and on and on and on with what was in there. So then you get those little moments where it's like, here's the, the, the in the, you know, the, the land of the dead, here's the width and breadth of all of these villains. And it's the Slovene and the, this and the, and you're like, okay, so there's all these, uh, bits and pieces. It was just kind of a really cool, um, because it wasn't the majors, I, yeah. I I I liked the fact that it was kind of the minor leagues, as it were. Um, At least initially, until, until well, they, up until everyone show up and then they call in the Daleks and, and until the replay of Doomsday. Well, we have um, we also have the uh, Osirens when they're going on the yeah. Egyptian. Uh, um, when he's doing adventure. the Indiana Jones, yeah. Bit. Yeah. In fact, did you guys <laughs> down to think, the Nazis? Did you not think that that one head guy looked exactly like Colonel Dietrich from Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yes. Oh, yeah. I thought totally. he was. It was. There were moments I was like, "Well, they're they're totally implying that's who this is." 
and it, it still could be because they knock him out. They don't nec- those mummies don't necessarily kill the Nazis. They, well, the one guy has blood splattering over his head, but <laughs> and we don't know what happened to the ones that fell into the abyss. But I mean, right. it's not good. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I also, um, what, what a cold, uh, as he was wont to do in the show, when the 10th Doctor went on, on the turn of a dime, vicious, uh, going up against the uh, um, arachnid queen mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, what, 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 what do you expect to do? You know, you, you banished me here. You did the, what do you expect? Well, because I killed all your children and reunited you, so you owe me. Oh! Damn! <laughs> You're supposed to thank me for this. Wow. Okay. I mean, it was just now, brutal. I do think some of the narrative is a bit trivial. Um, I think that there's some contrivances throughout this story. Not not glaringly mm-hmm. and not not bad, but I think the uh, the the Rachnos, no. Uh, yeah, the Rachnos being kind of piratish and having a pirate, but then I kind of couched it in that whole. Okay, this is like Love and Monsters. This is the unreliable narrator, narrator, and so we've got Martha telling these stories, who are, essentially feels like she's making them up as she goes along. These aren't ones that she's completely prepped by. I think that maybe the Doctor gave her some direction, gave her some background, obviously on characters that she didn't encounter. Um, so she knew a lot of this information just from talking to the doctor, but she's telling this story from her perspective, how she's coming up with it. And so I think that I could get by some of the trivial triviality of it. The one thing that did bother me was I really wanted that um, riddle to get to through the, the sarcophagus, through the time tunnel to the, uh, to wherever they ended up with all the all the villains, I sort of wanted the riddle that was used to unlock that to be answered, and I felt like Dan Slott sort of cheated a bit by oh here's the answer, and just showing it on the psychic paper because of course it's going to be the mm-hmm. answer that um is it Horace was that who was uh, yeah yeah it was it, of course that's going to be the answer that Horace wants to see because he knows the answer. And so I thought that I felt that was a bit of a cheat. I think that it was almost like that he got to that point and thought, well, I don't have to come up with an answer to this riddle because I can get away with it this way. So, but other, was, I mean, those are my only nitpicky things about it. The rest of this thing was just, was great. I so enjoyed it. It was well, even, both even total cheat and absolutely brilliant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, and even down to the fact of, I got the impression by the end of it that, you know, Martha wasn't even making all this up. That the doctor went through it all because he was texting her the adventure as oh, he was going. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that at the end. So it's not like she was like just coming up with stories. She yeah, was just relaying true. the story from what he was texting. Yeah. And the true. fact that the most valuable thing in the universe is his friend, mm-hmm. I thought was a nice touch also. Yeah, that yeah. was pretty neat. And the way to defeat them was to prove that the doctor is actually real and he shows up and it just blows their mind essentially and they can't handle it. I thought that was a clever resolution for the villain. Yeah. Although 
I don't get the impression that they died. I just think that they all no, their energy just... was drained. And then they follow that up with the, um, which we get a real classic throwback <laughs> of, a, of a classic monster, which actually kind of looks good in comic form, if you ask me. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, telling the story, the Martha and the, and the doctor telling the story about uh, uh, this adventure that he had as the ninth incarnation of himself at, with Rose uh, on this space station, which I thought was really cool. And I thought this one was cleverly written because I had never thought about with her trying to give coded messages to the doctor in pig Latin. It never occurred to me that the TARDIS would just naturally translate that for everybody within radius so that everybody would understand. So it would just sound like she was giving the, the just regular, you know, dialogue about it and that everybody could understand. Never considered that at all. <clears throat> yeah, that was that was really funny. It can translate Gelf, it can translate Dalek, it can translate Pig Latin. <laughs> um, but then being able to circumvent that and use more coding by saying things that were uh, homonyms rather than using the Pig Latin, I thought was kind of cool. Now, that being said, it's easy to convey that in a speech bubble. Mm-hmm. it's really hard yeah. for me to imagine how that makes any difference in reality though. Yeah. <laughs> when you actually speak. The right. Words, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's obviously one of those stories that can only be done in comic comics. Form. Yeah. Yeah. Or but, text. I mean, a book form could work too. Yeah. But I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. A nice real quick one shot type situation. Yeah. Now, I don't know what took them so long or what got hung up on this, but um, I think this was this was actually supposed to be out over the summer, I think I read, and then it was supposed to be out in October. It was supposed to come out originally in 2022. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was last April year. April of 2022. Last year, yeah. And then they had it slated for summer, and then they had it slated for October, and then it got pushed again in November. But whatever the behind-the-scenes happened there, it eventually got out to us and sort of worth the wait. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like based off of the descriptions um, of what they've said, this is supposed to be the first in a series of one shot, not graphic novels written by Dan Slott, according to TARDIS wiki. Oh, that's cool. So I'm, I, I'd like to read more of what he's done, yeah. what he's going to do for the doctor. So he did a really good job. And if you read the interview with him there at the end, he, he you can tell he's a big fan of, of Doctor Who, both classic, both classic and new. So, well, you can tell just by reading this, he's a big fan. Well, of that's classic true too. And new. That's true. And I I don't think fully like some you can give credit to the artists like the the sh- the big splash panel with the Minoptra and the Yeti and oh, the yeah. Weirin and the Draconians and all of. You can kind of give credit to the them, to the artist for that, right? But, you because know. Slot could just say throw in some <laughs> classic Doctor Who monsters here, because uh, you know, with with the exceptions of the ones that he actually focuses on in dialogue, it could have been anybody yeah. in that crowd. But pulling the Terraliptals in, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> obviously <laughs> is a sign that he's a classic right, fan. Right, right. Always stuff. makes me wonder if sometimes they have to, <laughs> when they have these fans that are the classic series. 
come in, they have to rail them back. And sort go, of well, let's try to keep focused more on new series so we don't alienate some fans. Right, right. We'll give you this one off at the end to really <laughs> indulge yourself. Lots of lovely touches. Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry. And my name is Barry Williams. Together, we host Time Ram. Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from 1 to 30, and that's our doctor. Then 1 to 300 for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time Ram. Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex. All right, well, what do we got coming up on the schedule, Sean? So, uh, a bunch of uh, 60th anniversary tie-in materials for some reason. It's it's almost like there's an anniversary coming up. <laughs> uh, we're going to be taking a look at some more previous anniversary specials with a, uh, a, a, a trio of uh, documentary, well, no, it's a duo of documentaries and uh, supplemental material. Uh Doctor Forever, Episode 4, on the uh, Inferno Special Edition DVD. We're going to talk uh, Lost in the Dark Dimension, the fan production from uh, Season 26B Productions, and then a supposed script of the film Lost in the Dark Dimension, which was uh, going to be a, a 30th anniversary thing before it was suddenly not, because somebody at the BBC said, hey, let's tie it into that soap opera we have. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, and then uh, we've got uh, the uh, another documentary, Talking Doctor Who, hosted by David Tennant, along with the Liberation of the Daleks uh, comic, the ongoing 14th Doctor strip from Doctor Who magazine. And then it is time. The specials are here. We'll be uh, devoting a full-blown episode to our thoughts on the Star Beast, and then again with Wild Blue Yonder, and then again with the Giggle. So lots and lots of stuff coming up. And if you were curious about our fun and games uh, Cubicle 7 role-playing adventure, that is still on the docket. Uh, we think we're going to do that right after, or it'll release right after the, the specials. Uh, um just to make sure that we have enough time to get our ducks in a row and our eyes crossed and our T's dotted and our Daleks corralled. <laughs> and then Christmas. You can find us at our website, travelingthevortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it and click on that Patreon link on the website and support us. When you become a patron of the podcast, you unlock some more audios and specials from us. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to the podcast to help bump us up in the ratings and recommendations. And then make sure you join in on the conversation our listeners forum on Facebook, on Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, X, um, Instagram, and of course, TikTok. Anything else we need to touch on before we close this one? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point. Direction.
next checkpoint. A Doctor Who Podcast Network.